Hello and welcome to Mr. Mar's History Podcast. Google Mr. Mar History to get more help with Nationals Higher and Advanced Higher History. In today's lesson, we will discuss the actions which were introduced by the 1945-51 Labour governments and consider the extent to which these policies improved the lives of people in Britain. We will focus on the issues of health, education, housing, employment and poverty. The 45-51 Labour governments are often remembered for setting up the modern welfare state. They introduced policies which aimed to protect people in Britain from the cradle to the grave. Before 1945, there was some help available from the government, including many of the reforms that had been introduced by the 1906-1914 Liberal governments. However, many people were still poor and needed help, and in particular argued that after fighting for Britain in a second world war in only three decades, they should not continue to live in poverty. As a result, in 1942, a man called William Beveridge was asked by the government to conduct a study into all the problems which existed in Britain. The Beveridge Report, as it was known, was the basis for setting up the welfare state and identified five major problems. These were known as the five giants and were ignorance, or otherwise a lack of education, disease, meaning poor health, squalor, referring to poor housing, want, meaning poverty, and finally idleness, relating to unemployment. Even before the Labour government's election in 1945, the wartime government had accepted the recommendation of the Beveridge Report and began to put in plans for changes. But it was the election of Labour, led by the Prime Minister Clement Attlee, that increased the rate of this change. The first action that Labour took, um, and perhaps the most famous, was the issue of health one of the disease giants identified by Beveridge. In 1948, the Labour Party set up the National Health Service. This had the simple aim of eradicating the giant of disease by offering health care to all. The NHS, in simple terms, had three basic goals. One, it should have universal access. In other words, your income should not matter. Two, it would treat all medical problems. And three, it should be free at the point of use, meaning that no one had to pay to use it. Before this, more than half of the British population had no medical cover, meaning that they often went without treatment when they needed it. All of this was hugely beneficial to the people that now had access to healthcare for the first time, without having to worry about costs. But there were problems with the NHS in meeting all people's needs. For one, the costs of the NHS were extremely high, and as a result of this, From 1949, Labour would allow prescription charges, which were introduced on a compulsory basis in 1952. In addition, many hospitals that were used were out of date and in a very poor condition, limiting the overall effectiveness of the treatment that people received. Another action that was taken by the Labour government aimed to tackle the so-called giant of want, meaning specifically actions to improve poverty. In 1945, the newly elected Labour government brought in the Family Allowances Act. This act gave weekly payments to all mothers with two or more children each week. The payment was five shillings per week for each child, with the exception of the oldest. The Family Allowances Act was a big help to families, especially those where the husband had been killed during the war. In addition, even where the husband was still around, because it was paid directly to the mother, 
it was felt that this would make it more likely to be spent on household items rather than luxuries. However, although the Family Allowance Act did help many, it didn't do anything to help poor families where they only had one child. In addition, the fact that the payment stopped at 18 often meant that the young person was forced to go and work rather than continue with their education, which limited opportunities for working class children. Another action to improve poverty was National Insurance Act. The 1946 Act built on the work which was introduced in 1911. In this case, all working age people had to pay money to the government each week, which led them to get help when they needed it. People could get sickness and unemployment benefit, they could get an old age pension for women when they reached 60 and men at 65, and there were other benefits such as maternity and death grants. This was a more extensive form of welfare cover than had existed beforehand, which clearly led to improvements for many people in Britain and took steps towards tackling poverty. However, there were limitations. For one, the National Insurance Act meant weekly contributions of around 5% of earnings, which was a lot of money to the very poorest. In addition, not everyone was fully protected by the new law. For instance, people who were self-employed or married women that did not work. Furthermore, many complained that although pensions were available, they did not always meet the requirements. Another action which was taken was that of the National Assistance Act. This was aimed at people that could not afford to pay national insurance. It allowed poor people to apply for extra financial help if they needed it. This meant that the very poorest, who otherwise might have missed out on help from the government, were given support. For example, there was £2 a week available for married couples. And it was especially helpful for elderly people that did not qualify for a pension. However, many people then complained that in fact people who were not working and thus seemed not to contribute were receiving government benefits, which caused resentment. In addition, because it was means tested, meaning that only went to the very poorest and not universal, which would mean open to everyone, some people felt it went against the spirit of the welfare state where everyone was supposed to be eligible. Another action that the Labour government took was to improve housing. In this case, this was to tackle the giant of squalor. In 1946, the government tried to fix the problem of overcrowding and slum housing by building new houses with the launch of the New T Towns Act. The New Towns Act aimed to improve housing right across Britain by building new towns across the country in nicer areas than crowded cities. In 1951, 14 new towns were created including in places such as East Kilbride, Glenrothes, Livingston, Irvine and Milton Keynes. This certainly did have a big improvement. The areas the houses were in were often nicer, and in addition, the houses that people were moving to were of a significantly higher standard than those they had left behind. In particular, the problem of overcrowding, too many people living in the one house, was tackled. However, there were problems. For one, many of these new towns lacked facilities such as jobs or shops. This meant that even though people might live in an area that was reasonably nice, they would face long journeys to get back to work or if they wished to socialise. The Labour government also tried to improve the problem of poor housing through a house building scheme. They announced plans to build 200,000 new houses each year, which would be available for rent and so available to workers. So-called prefab houses were built and jobs were created to make them. 
Many new houses were built, but it was worth noting that it was significantly less than the 200,000 per year that had been promised. This meant that overcrowding continued, and there were also long waiting lists to get these new houses. The Labour government also took steps to improve education, tackling the giant of ignorance. In 1944, an Education Act was passed by the wartime government, although it was properly introduced by the Labour government. The Act tried to improve education by raising the school leaving age to 15, meaning that all children should get at least a basic secondary education. Under the Education Act, children would sit an exam at age 11. This was known as the 11 plus, or in Scotland often nicknamed the Quali, the qualifying exam. Children that passed the 11 plus went to academies, so-called better schools, which allowed them to get an education which would mean they would get better jobs. People who failed the 11 plus went to schools where they would receive technical training instead. The 11 plus, or again Quali in Scotland, was criticised because it often meant that children who were from the poorest backgrounds would remain stuck in poverty. Many others argued that it was unfair to base a child's future on one exam which was taken at age 11. The final action which was taken by the 1945-51 Labour governments to improve lives in Britain related to jobs. This aimed to tackle the issue of idleness, which was one of the giants identified in the Beveridge Report. The government believed that the country and not private businesses should control industries such as mining, steelworks and the rail network. As a result, the government nationalised, which means it took it under government control, at different times. For instance, in 1948 the steel trade was nationalised, meaning it became part of the British government and under government control. Further nationalisations occurred, which included the Bank of England in 1946, the National Coal Board in 1947, railways in 1948, and iron and steel in 1950. Owners and shareholders were compensated for the losses they made when their companies were taken over by the government. Now that the government owned these industries, they could use tax money to keep unprofitable businesses going. This meant that unemployment did not increase. In addition, they put money aside to take on more apprentices, meaning that young people had greater chances to find jobs. However, lots of these improvements after nationalisation did not actually create new jobs, they simply kept people who were in work already in their work. Many of the other improvements which were introduced also did not help people who were unemployed. For example, paid holidays were introduced in the coal industry, which hugely benefited miners, but did nothing for people who were without work. The Labour government did try to improve working conditions for other workers. For instance, in 1947, the dock labour scheme tried to ensure that dock work was no longer as temporary. This meant more people would be attracted to work in what was very often difficult jobs. However, some people argued that the improvements the government introduced to working conditions actually undermined attempts to hire because firms would simply hire less staff if it was too expensive. An aside where one action helped improve another was Labour's work on house building. The building jobs which were needed to create the new houses and new towns across Britain helped to create jobs not only for people who were already skilled, but also gave more opportunities for young people to get apprenticeships and learn these skills. Unemployment was generally low under Labour, only around 3%. However, 
Many of this was down to the jobs that were created by private companies rather than the policies introduced by the Labour government.